will our wonderful priests dedicate their lives to serving the needs of all of us in the parish? Now, we who are sitting in the pews just often see our priests on Sunday mornings and sometimes during the week. But what fills the time of our parish priests and how is their vocation oriented to the life of the church? Well, joining me today as part of a new series, we're going to begin as he stays with us. Deacon Justin Echeverria joins us this morning to tell us a little bit more about, well, a day in the life of a priest or in his case, a very good transitional deacon. Good morning, Deacon Justin. Thanks so much for joining us today. Morning. Thanks for having me. So you are spending your pastoral year at Christ the King, and what a wonderful and active parish, because Mm -hmm. not only is it a very large church, it also has attached to it a fantastic school. It's wonderful that you get to spend time with the kids at your parish, too. Oh yeah, it's 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 been such a blessing to be to be at such a wonderful parish and really, you know, roll up the sleeves and just dive into parish ministry, uh, knowing that you know this is what what the life is going to be. So spending time with kids at a parish, as a parent, I know that my kids, there are some days where they are full of questions. So many so that at the end of the day, I'm like, guys, mom can't hear any more questions today. But sometimes they'd ask questions and you go, wow, well, let's talk about that. And you get into these really great conversations. You have kids that come up to you. And I think the benefit of having a a young deacon as yourself is I think kids find you very approachable. They have some good questions. Oh yeah. Plenty of questions, tons of questions about the faith or, or the priesthood or even, you know, even things like what's your favorite pizza? I mean, anything, just even the human side of, of the, the priestly formation. So recently, and you're joining us today to talk about the day in the life of a priest, or in your case, a, a deacon, you had a, uh, one of your parishioners, when a child come up and ask you that question. Tell us about it. Yeah, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the second graders at Christ the King. This, this actually, this question came from one of them named Keegan. She's in the Scola. She's a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful child and very talented. But she did ask the question, she had a couple of questions, but one of them was, what is the day in the life of a priest? Like, what does a priest do all day? Yeah. So let's start this. Now, we, we see them on Sunday, and we know that's a lot, that orients mm-hmm. a lot of their life. Of course, without our priest, well, there's no Eucharist, and, and so much is joined to that. But let's start the week on Monday. And and how does a week typically go then for, for a priest? Basically... Anything and everything could happen. Yeah. So in terms of a structure, like a structure to the day, and it can vary if you have a school and, and what your parish is like. But uh, in what I've experienced so far is basically get up early. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a morning person. You'll become a morning person. Really? <laughs> and, um, you know, so you, you get up early with a nice hot cup of coffee, uh, spend some time in prayer with the rosary and the, the liturgy of the hours. So the office of reading and morning prayer. And then at about uh, about 6.15 or so is when we go and open up the church, unlock the doors, get everything set up for, for morning mass, and then you know come back to the rectory, which is the, the house that the priest lives in. And we just get ready for, for the day, put on the clerics, and uh, first go to the church to spend a little more time in prayer. And then at around 7.45-ish, uh, Monsignor and I will go to the school to pray with the staff. Uh, the staff, including the principal, Sarah Tabor, will will get together and rotate which teacher or principal or priest or deacon will will uh, will pray for the day. And we even have a list every week of which students in each grade to pray for. And then after that, 
about 7.55, we open up the doors and we all stand out there in the parking lot or, or by the doors to greet the kids as they come in. And then about 8.10, we head back to the church. 8.30 is mass. And then after mass, really anything could happen. You could have meetings. You could have, in my case, uh, depending on the day, Bible study, or also in my case, uh, lunch and recess duty, or, you know, and those things are kind of set in stone, but then you also have for a priest, you know, oh, so-and-so is dying at the hospital. You need to get over there. Okay. Or, oh, it's time to do confession or, oh, you know, I need to do this or that, or, oh, Archbishop called me. So it's a very, it's not a boring life. Mm. It's a very dynamic life, a very life-giving life. And the the dynamism of that the the ability to be all over the place and everywhere is through actually the gift that is celibacy in wow. the roman catholic priesthood so i want to talk about this and uh for a moment but let me let me get back sure. to the day and and in, in the life of a priest for those of us who work, we have day jobs. I mean, we have our set hours. Now, occasionally there might be emails in the evening or something to get ready for in the next day. Are there typical hours that priests try to stick to and that this is where uh, I, I'm going to do my work as a priest? But then you work to reserve time that is really downtime because we all know that. Well, everybody needs time mm -hmm. to rejuvenate and recuperate. Is that typical for a priest? Yes, it's it's very much encouraged to take your day off. So priests have a day off every week. Uh, in my case, it's Mondays, um, which is great because Sundays are pretty. They're you know for for your for your average lay person, it's like oh you know go to mass with my family and then you know go home and enjoy the Sunday. For us, it's you know we have all the masses and RCIA and youth group and confirmation preparation. So it's a it's a full it's a full day. So uh, Monday being the day off is great because you just have this, 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 the busiest day, the highest day is Sunday. And then, okay, now I can take a break on, on Monday to just relax, see my family, uh, and then hit the ground running again on, on Tuesday when I'm back at the, at the parish. So does a priest have a nine to five job? Well, a priest is always a priest 24 seven for mm -hmm. the rest of his life. There are office hours at the parish office. So in our case, it's nine, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So there, there are hours, so to speak, in that context. Um, but as a priest, you know, it's not a nine to five job. You, you could be woken up in the middle of the night because someone needs your help in the hospital or, or you just got to be, you got to get, re get ready for what's called radical availability. Wow. Amazing. Deacon Justin Echeverria joining us today. He is a transitional deacon working as pastoral year at Christ the King Church in Milwaukee. He's joining us today, well, to answer a couple of questions that people often have, and it's going to be part of a regular series that we have with Deacon Justin. Well, Deacon, you said something, and I want to clarify for people so that way we understand. There are some requirements when it comes to things like the liturgy of the hours and also saying mass mm -hmm. is it, both of those things happen every single day for a priest or are there ways that can you attend mass every day or is a priest required to say mass every day yes yeah, so on the, on on that side of the altar with the with the priesthood and the diaconate uh the liturgy we we pray the liturgy of the hours that is asked of us uh, almost a requirement for us. For the lay people, it is not. Mm -hmm. It's not a requirement. But for us, it it's a requirement. And the idea behind that is from Monsignor Syak and I in the corner, that corner of Milwaukee to Pope Francis in Rome, he prays it. The idea is the church is constantly praying mm. all day, every day. Even a priest who is based out of 
Antarctica would be praying this. Who's okay. a chaplain? Who's a chaplain on a base there? All over the world, it's it's the praying church, and and the same thing with 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 masses. You know, mass is celebrated every day. Now, the laity, of course, are encouraged. I mean, we have the Sunday obligation, but they are encouraged. Of course, you want you want to pray the 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 liturgy of the hours. Wonderful, it's a great way to pray with Scripture. You want to and come to mass every day. Great daily Eucharist. Be that source and summit of of your life, as Vatican II would teach. Okay. Well, fantastic. Deacon Justin joining us today to talk about a day in the life of a priest. This is great conversation. Now, we really want to get into some interesting things because while your life is very full, you don't have the same family life that all of us would typically experience. And I want to talk more about that, but I am coming up against my break. Stay with me through the break so we can continue in the next half hour. Sounds great. I am back with Deacon Justin Echeverria. Deacon Justin is joining us today as we begin a series, well, to talk about well different aspects of the life of the church. Deacon Justin is a transitional deacon on his way in preparation to the priesthood. He is spending this pastoral year at Christ the King Church in Milwaukee. Good morning, Deacon Justin. Thanks so much for staying with us. Of course. So we began in our first half hour talking about the things that fill the days. And I got to tell you, I do my work during the day and then I feel good about letting that all go and going home and not having to worry about this. But what we discovered is the life of a priest. It's really there all the time and you have to be ready at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. You said something in the first half hour that I want to talk about. And you said that all of the things that deacons do a transitional deacon like you and then a priest or a pastor that they do all of those things are available for you to do because of the celibacy that priests take on i think many people are puzzled by this Mm -hmm. so explain to our listeners what that means yeah so part of it is is we need we need to change the language i think of how we talk about celibacy is that one might think oh they have to be celibate or the church is making them be celibate. Actually, I get to be celibate. I'm blessed to be celibate. Celibacy is not a ball and chain that's holding me down. It's not Mm. baggage. If anything, it gets rid of that baggage. It breaks that chain. It gives us the ability to love with an undivided heart and be radically available to people, the people of God. So one time I had somebody come up to me and said, you know, I always supported the marriage, the, the married priesthood. And I used to get a little um, annoyed at that. Mm-hmm. But now I, I get a little um, a little cheeky, as our British cousins might say. I say, great, me too. This is my wedding ring, the, the white collar around my neck. And thank you for supporting my marriage to, to the bride of Christ, the church. Wow. Which is the truth. <laughs> so has priestly celibacy always been a part of the Roman Catholic Church? Well, it has, um, the history there is that it, it's always been there, yes, uh, especially among our bishops who are the successors to the apostles. Now, in scripture, people do say, well, Peter had a mother-in-law. That's right. what it says. Mm-hmm. Yes, it says mother-in-law in the English translation, but the New Testament was written originally in Koine Greek the Greek of that time, and it was written in a Hebrew context. So, you know, the, the show The Chosen shows that he has a wife. But we don't know. Was, she's never mentioned. I mean, 
you know, Joseph, the husband of Mary is mentioned. Mary, the wife of Clopas is mentioned, but there's no wife mentioned for Peter. So did she die before his ministry? Was she there? Or, you know, in, in ancient Jewish culture, when you married somebody, you, it was, you first had a year long betrothal. And I had a priest once explain to me that the mother, the mother of your bride would be considered your mother-in-law, okay. so to speak. Interesting. But we don't know. It's, 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 as far as we know, our first pope was, was celibate when he was writing in his letters and doing his ministry after the resurrection you know, of, of the risen Jesus Christ. Deacon, was that an important part of your discernment as part of your priesthood, meaning that it, is there a lot of time, is there a lot of counsel spent on fully understanding what it means for the rest of your life to be celibate. I mean, is, do, do, are you guided in such a way that helps you fully embrace and acknowledge and accept and love the celibacy? I love how you said fully embrace and love celibacy because you're right. It's very much something that we are aware of and should be aware of when you are discerning the priesthood and, and, and when you're in the seminary is that, you know, are you called to live that, that celibate state, that celibate mm. life? And here's what we mean by celibacy. Again, it's not, it's not a restriction that's being imposed. We know fully and freely going in that that's going to be asked of us. And I want to live that life. Even if, even if, a, if a man who is discerning the priesthood says, well, but I want to be married and maybe I want to have kids. You know what? That's an excellent candidate to be a priest. Really? Explain that more. Yeah. So the idea is, when you are a priest, you are called father. And that's just not, that's not a nice fancy title that when you get ordained, you are a father, you are a husband, you, you become a husband at diaconate, your bride is the church. So you are there for your children who are the people of God. I had a priest once explained to me in the seminary that you need to be there for your people, just like a father should be there for his children to protect them, to provide for them, to strengthen and encourage them when they're down or to weep with them, to laugh with them. You know, if you show up and all you do is celebrate mass and that's it. Well, is that what real fatherhood looks like? Mm. Look at St. Joseph. He was always there ready to go with the Holy family. We got to go to, we got to go to Bethlehem. Okay. Let's go, Mary. Taking the donkey. I'll, I'll protect you. Whoa. We have to go to Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. I trust you, Lord. Deacon, I believe that well-meaning people who know and love you, who have followed you maybe growing up, maybe when you first announced, I'm going into the seminary. I think that for many people, our first thing might be to say something like, are you sure? Because mm -hmm. you would make such a great father. You would be an excellent husband. Can you explain that in a way that maybe all of us understand better that, yeah, that, that being a father is... Kind of part of who you're going to be. Yeah, I think it's it's through no fault of their own, because you know there are people who have concerns, and especially you look at the culture today. Something like celibacy could to to a very worldly mind or a secular mind, they're like, why would anyone ever want to do that? Won't you be lonely? Yes. Won't you be miserable? Well, I know priests who tell me that they've encountered married people who also experience. If you're a human being, mm -hmm. everyone experiences loneliness in some way, shape, or form whether you're celibate or you're married. So it's not that, oh, if, if priests got married, they would never be lonely. Well, I, I understand. I understand the sentiment. But from my own personal experience, I'm not lonely. 
I have my brothers. I have my fathers. I have my own biological family here. I have my, you know, the, the people I've come to know and love at, at the parish and at, at Christ the King and, and all the other parishes that I worked at. And I look forward to just this, this exciting life. And, and if you think about it, I mean, who is the most famous celibate person in our faith? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's right. And someone might say, wait, wait, but well, he's fully God. That's true. He was also fully man mm-hmm. in all things but sin. He could have taken a wife in his humanity. But, and I had this explained to me once, and I think it's very beautiful, that if Jesus Christ had a wife, what is the implication of that? It's that there is one person he could, he could love more than you. Wow. That he could ever love more than you. And that's not true. He wants to love you with a disinterested love, which doesn't mean like a bored, like, uh, I kind of like you. I'm just not interested. Disinterested love, which the celibate life brings is that I want to give my whole heart to you. I want to love you and I ask for nothing back. Deacon Justin, as we begin to understand this, we got to be open to understanding, even if we have our own thoughts and opinions. I often say when I come across a thought or an idea that I don't fully understand or I feel like, Oh, I don't know if I would have done it that same way. I always kind of remind myself, there are people far smarter than I who have figured this out already. Pope Benedict, well, we need to go no further than him (laughs) to understand about what this means for you. And he had thoughts about the priestly celibacy and the gift that a man gives to his parish and to the church as a priest. What did he have to say? Yeah, so from, from his book, and I, and I absolutely love this title, it's called From the Depths of Our Hearts, Priesthood, Celibacy, and the Crisis of the Catholic Church. He writes, and this is an excerpt from his Address to the Clergy of the Diocese of Balsano Bressanone in 2008. He says, part of the priesthood is truly making oneself available to the Lord in the fullness of one's being and totally available to men and women I think celibacy is a fundamental expression of this totality. So again, that's the charism of the diocesan priest and and the priesthood in general is we are called to be radically available. Mm. We are your priests. We are your fathers. We are your husbands. We are there to be, to be available for the bride of Christ. Oh, I love that. And boy, Deacon Justin, what a benefit, what a blessing we are all here to receive of your vocation, of your diaconate, and God willing, in the future, we'll all benefit from your priestly vocation. Thank you so much for your time today. Before we go, will you end us in prayer and your blessing? Of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to to gather together. I ask that you bless all of us, especially our listeners. Fill them with the graces that they need. Help them grow in wisdom, in strength, and in faith. I'd also like to include our seminarians and our clergy for the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon. Those who are called to live in that beautiful life that is celibacy, the expression of love that is an image of your love for all of us. And we ask all this through the intercession of Our Lady as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
pray for us, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Deacon Justin, thank you so much, and look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a blessing.